Bibles, please, to uh, Psalm 1. And uh, we've been going through uh, Psalm 1 for uh, forever. We're going to finish today, God willing. Um, we've been reading uh, verse by verse. And um, we're going to be uh, looking at verse 6 today. But because it's a short psalm, uh, we'll just read from verse 1. So if you'd like to stand, and uh, let's just uh, read these first six verses. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seats of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, psalm this morning. Thank you for the, verse 6, and we pray that you will speak to us afresh by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. <coughs> Please be seated. Okay. Um, <coughs> The title that I've been using over these uh, months with this psalm is uh, The Godly and the Young Godly Man. And um, we see here in verse 6, we actually see uh, the summary of Psalm 1. And it's basically all about two ways. That's what the psalm's all about. Um, if we read from verse 1 down to verse 3, we see the way of the righteous... If we read from verse 4 down to verse 6, we see the way of the ungodly. And we've been seeing, as we've been going through this psalm, the two ways. There is no other way. You're either saved or you're unsaved. You're either a child of God or you're either a child of wrath. There is no other option. There is no other way. Okay? Um, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, pointed that out in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, just keep, uh, keep your fingers there or your, your ribbon in uh, Psalm 1. But let's just have a look at uh, the two ways that Jesus spoke about on the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 7. And uh, we see here the two ways. We see, um, if we read in verse 14, we see here um, the way of the righteous. It says... Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We see the other way here, the way of the ungodly in verse 13. He says, Enter ye at the straight gate. Then he says, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So we see here the narrow way leads to life. Leads to eternal life, leads to spiritual life. The Bible says that there are few on this way. We see the other way, the broad way, the Bible says leads to destruction. That's the way of the ungodly. And we see here that many are on that broad way to destruction. 
how that should uh, motivate us really for evangelism. Most of the people in this world today are on the broad way that leadeth to destruction. Yesterday I, w I spent um, some time uh, walking through the city of uh, Liverpool and uh, it was packed out. Um, and there were people from all uh, different uh, religions trying to sell their religion, trying to uh, propagate their way of, uh, of faith. Um, but the majority of people out there are lost and they're on the broad road to destruction, which leads to hell and the lake of fire. Um, the Bible says that the road that leads to life is a narrow path. It's a narrow way. And there are few that are on it right now. Um, I wonder which way are you on right now? Are you on the broad way that leads to destruction? Or are you on the narrow way that leads to life, eternal life? There are only two ways. And we've seen that so clearly, and we're going to see that today in our verse 6 of this psalm. Um, how do you get onto the narrow way? Well, verse 13, the Lord Jesus Christ says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. So, to get onto the narrow way, we need to enter. Okay? The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the door. He says, By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved. And that's the promise that we have from the Lord Jesus this morning. He says, Enter. It's an invitation for whosoever. We are all whosoever's in this world. Whosoever you are, whatever your background, whatever. Wherever you've come from in life, whichever country, doesn't matter. You're a whosoever. And he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the door. By me, if any man entereth, he shall be saved. Wonderful promise. Wonderful. Um, have you entered that gate? Have you entered through the Lord Jesus Christ yet? The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way. There is no other way. Despite the many religions of this world, there is only one way to salvation, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's just turn back to Psalm 1. Let's just have a look at verse 6 um, a bit closer this morning. And I want to break this, um, this verse into four parts. And uh, we're going to have a look at each part. Um, verse 6, we're going to look at the first part. It says that the Lord knoweth. The Lord knoweth. What do we learn from that statement uh, that can bring us some encouragement this morning? That God knoweth. He knows. Well, the first thing is we see that God is omniscient. Anybody know what that word means, omniscient? All knowing. All knowing. God knows everything. Okay? Um, I think it comes from a Latin word, omni, which means uh, all, and science, which I think is a root word for science or, or knowledge. Okay, um, God is all-knowing. Uh, man, in his pride, likes to think that he knows as much, or if not more, than God. If you say God is not in his thoughts many times, the ungodly man, and he has no uh, humility, and he won't accept that God is greater in knowledge. But the Bible declares that God is greater 
in his knowledge. Let's have a look in Job chapter 11. Job chapter 11, verses 7 to 9. And um, here we have some questions uh, for Job. And um, we're reading verse 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Can you know everything about God? Can you try to find out God? Then he goes on to say, he says, Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? Is your knowledge going to match more than God's? Verse 8, it is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Oh man, in his pride, uh, thinks that he can know more about God. The atheist will say that he knows where we come from. Isn't it a, a tragedy that the Bible, this book of knowledge, God's knowledge has been taken out of schools today. The children are left today not knowing the true source of life, where we come from, what we're doing here and where we're going in the future. It's tragic, you know. Uh, I know someone who uh, is a history teacher. I'd love to, um, to spend some time and sit down with this person and uh, just to uh, share the history of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because this book has got all the answers. Mm -hmm. It tells us where we've come from. It tells us how the creation started. It tells us the purpose for it. It tells us where we're going in the future as well. And this is the only book that tells us with authority what we're doing here. This is the knowledge of God in this book. Wonderful. Isaiah chapter 40, we see here that um, God knows, he knows all the hows, how this world first came into being. Um, he knows all the whens, but he also knows all the whys. Why did it happen? Why are we all here? You know, a man seeks for knowledge. Man seeks to know why he is here, and this is one of the reasons why there is a deep void in man today because he's lost spiritually, never been born again, doesn't know what he's doing here, doesn't know where he's come from and what the purpose is for his life, and he doesn't know where he's going in the future as well. But you see, in the Word of God. God gives us knowledge why we're here. Okay, let's just have a look. Uh, Isaiah 14, verse 28. <clears throat> it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And you see, not only does God have all knowledge, but he also has all understanding as well. And he understands why we are here. And he's written us this book so that we can know mm -hmm. what the purpose is for life. Is that we may know God. We may glorify God in our lives. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. God is omniscient. He knows all things. Um, Romans chapter 11. Romans 11. I'm going to get my ribbon there in Psalm 1, but uh, Romans uh, 11, 
um, we see that this great knowledge should encourage Christians to do something. When we find out that God knows everything, <clears throat> it should cause us to do a couple of things. Romans 11, and uh, we read from verse 33. And Paul says, All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? For who hath been his counsellor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. And here we see the reason why um, God has all knowledge, and what it should do for us. And he says, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And it should do two things for us. First of all, it should humble us. And we should realise that God is greater than what we are. And we should humble ourselves to him. And secondly, it should encourage us to glorify God as well. That's what Paul says here. He says, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And that's one of the reasons um, why we glorify God because he is in control. He's omniscient. He's also in control of all things and he's able to do what we can't do because he is all-knowing and he is in control. Let's just have a look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And in life we are ignorant so often of uh, the present we're ignorant so often of the future. We don't know what the future holds. Only God knows. And what is revealed in, in this book for us. But we don't know what's going to happen after we leave after we leave church today. You know? Um, it's up to us to pray and we're to ask God for him to direct us. Even as a church, we're to ask him for a direction for us as a, a local body of Christians in this area. Let's just have a look at what the, the first church did. Um, they knew that God was in control. They knew that he had all knowledge. And uh, we know that um, Judas, one of the uh, disciples, one of the apostles, uh, transgressed. And uh, the Bible says that by his transgression he fell and he died because he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but let's have a look. When the disciples came together, they had two people because they had to replace one of the apostles. And they had two men. They had one called Justice and they had another one called Matthias. But they didn't know which one should be ordained to be the next apostle. And so it says in verse 24, and they prayed. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? When we're not sure about the future, when we're not sure about his directions for us. And it says, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men. So the disciples here, they had a, a humility. And they realised that God knows the hearts of men. They also realised that they didn't know the future, but they were putting the future in God's hands. And it says here, he said, they said, Show whether of these two thou hast chosen. So here we have a church in prayer, asking God for directions. Verse 25, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship 
from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So we see here that they brought this situation to the Lord. They didn't have that knowledge. Who was to be the next apostle? The one that was to be chosen. But they gave it to God in prayer. And you know, it makes me think when I read this about our church here this morning. We're seeking the Lord for a pastor. We've been seeking one for many months now. And we might feel like giving up sometimes. But we need to do what the church did here in the first century. Uh, in verse 24, it says, And they prayed and said, And we need to ask the Lord, Lord, please give us your direction. Give us your man. Give us your direction for this church. And he will. God has all knowledge. And God is in control this morning. Amen? Very wonderful. That's our God this morning. Um, not only does the Lord knoweth, but secondly, we see that he knoweth the way of the righteous. That's Psalm, Psalm, uh, Psalm 1 and verse 6. It says, The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Um, God knows our past way, and he also knows our present way as well. We just turn to Psalm 139. Uh, what a wonderful psalm this is, all about God's knowledge um, of men and of you individually. He knows you. He knows why you are in this world today. God had a plan at the beginning. Before you were even born, God knew your life. He knew the date that you would be born. And he knows why you're here. And he wants you to know that also. Great. Wonderful. Psalm 139. Wonderful psalm. Let's just read from verse 1. Um, and let's just see here how God knows our past and he also knows our present way. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my mouth, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secrets and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, 
which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. We see here that the psalmist, David, he is glorifying God for his knowledge. And he is so amazed how God knows his way. He knows his past. He knows where he came from before he was even born. We see and read here about, before his birth, we read here about the members of his body that were all written. We read about his heart that had been read. We read about the guidance that God would give to him and his protection. God knows our past. You know, some of us here, um, before we uh, became Christians, we had a past, each and every one of us, in the will. And it might be that we really want to forget that past. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ says that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. It's wonderful. He cleanses that path that we've had in the past. And He will give us a new way, a new path, a narrow way. Walk in the Spirit. But we were learning last week in the Sunday school. He knows our past. He knows everything about us. And He knows our present. You know, sometimes we may think that um, God doesn't know about us. We think maybe God has forgotten about us, doesn't care. That's not the case. God does know. He knows every finite detail about you. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, everything. He knows. God is so uh, knowledgeable about us. Um, only God knows how I became a Christian. I don't know. I can write about what happened on the day, because I was there, and I know what happened. But I wasn't there before I became a Christian. And I, don't, I only know a few details of how I know that God had been working. I know that even in my mum, I think she was 42, when she became a Christian, we actually became a Christian on the same day. But my mum, she came to that point in her life where she asked God the question. She said, Lord, and she used to be a Sunday school teacher, but she was not a Christian. But she prayed to God and she says, Lord, please show me the way. I don't know. And we had Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door. We had Mormons. We had different religions coming to the door. Trying to show a different way. But my mum, she prayed a prayer. An honest, simple prayer. Lord, show me the way. Show me the truth. And weeks later, I came through the door on a Saturday afternoon. With uh, a video under my arm. And I said to my mum, Lord, uh, mum, we need to watch this video and we need, to, we need to see that God is angry with sin and we need to become Christians today. And we put the video on and two hours later we gave our hearts to the Lord, both together in our front living room. I don't know how all that worked. I also know that there was a Christian lady down our street and she had been praying for, for me and for my mum and for the family before we ever even became Christians, to be praying for us. See, God is at work. God knows the way, you see. God knows our past. He also knows our presence as well. Wonderful. Do you ever say 
Are you saying this morning, who understands the situation that I'm in? God knows. God understands. God cares. God will forsake you. Psalm 138 in verse 8 says that the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. And then he says, forsake not the works of thine hands. God will not forsake the righteous. And he will not forsake you this morning, dear friends. He knows our presence. He knows the situation that we're in uh, this morning. I wonder this morning, uh, are you needing direction in life? Maybe there's a situation that's come up right now in your life and you're wondering which way, which direction, what shall I do? God knows. Give it to him. We'll look at a, a proverb in a minute. Probably one of my favourite verses in the whole of the Bible. But he gives us direction. We need to know the way. It might be a relationship that you're thinking about. Or a relationship that you want with somebody else. Maybe a relationship within your family as well. Maybe you're seeking directions for that. God knows the way. He knows. And he knows the best way as well. It might be a church. You may be looking for a church to bed yourself down in and get involved in. You need to pray to God. Ask him for directions. Lord, is this the place you want me to be? God knows the way and he knows the best way. It may be wisdom. It may be grace. It may be forgiveness. But we need to bring it to the Lord in prayer. You know, Psalm 139 and verse 3 and 4, we see here that God knows all our ways. He knows the good, but he also knows the bad as well. Uh, verse 3 says, Thou compass my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, And there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Sometimes we don't know where these words come from, that we speak, even as Christians, you know. Our hearts, the Bible says, are deceitful above all things. We may be speaking truth, but sometimes we may be speaking something that's not right. But we need to realise that God knows all, and he knows the words that come up from our hearts, and he knows our intentions, he knows all our ways. He knows the good and he knows the bad. And um, this morning, we need to realise that God is watching is watching our life and is watching what we do and what we think. Um, I wonder this morning, um, are there some ways that we are taking right now that are maybe not pleasing with the Lord? Maybe we really need to think about that way and bring it to God. Maybe we need to repent and turn from it. God knows all our ways this morning. Um, and we need to be conscious that God is watching. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth. Job 34, 21 says, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. God sees all things. He sees the good, he sees the bad. Let's have a look briefly at Proverbs chapter 3. 
This is the uh, proverb I was just speaking about a few moments ago. But God, he knows our future way as well. He knows the past, he knows our present, but he also knows the future. And um, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Verse 6 says, In all thine ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What a wonderful promise from the word of God. For there's not one of us here this morning that does not need that promise. We see here that this is speaking not just about present, but it's speaking about the future as well. He's saying, trust in the Lord. That's what we need to do now. With all thine heart, lean not unto thine understanding. And then he says, verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him. That's the future. And he shall direct thy paths. God will direct our paths for now, but he will direct them for our future as well. Wonderful. You know, God knows um, our trials. He knows what lies ahead. We don't always know what, lie, what lies ahead in our lives, what circumstances are going to come. But God is there already. He's everlasting. Job chapter 23 and verse 10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And we see here again the present way, but we see also the future as well. He says, for he knoweth the way that I take. That's present tense. He, uh, he says that I take. And then he says, when, future, he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And you know, we may go through some testing times in our future days ahead. We don't know. But God is there and he's promised here that he will bring us through those times and he will refine us and he will bring us forth, the Bible says, as gold. Those things that are meant to try us can refine us and can purify us. These things that God brings into our lives, be encouraged this morning. And not all bad things that happen to us are going to be work out bad for us. The Bible says that those who love the Lord, all things work together good to those that love God. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. He knows the way of the righteous this morning. Um, God's knowledge of our future is central to our hope of eternal life. You know, the world don't have that. They don't have any assurance about where they're going in the future. But God has given us that knowledge through the scriptures that we know where we're going. Mm -hmm. Let's just turn to Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25. All the religions of the world cannot give this hope. Only Christianity. Only the true uh, faith of the one and true God. Isaiah 25 and verse 8. And speaking about the future to come. He says that he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. Wonderful. He's speaking here of that glorious future that we have, 
when he's going to wipe away all those tears that life has, life has brought into our lives. And he's going to wipe them away. All the sadness, all the rebuke, the Bible says one day he's going to wipe all that away. And he's given us that, that way, uh, that knowledge of the way of the future right now. And that brings us hope. That brings us peace. That brings us joy. We know our future. And what a great future we have. The days ahead are good. They are. You know the problem that we have as Christians is that we spend too much time keeping our eyes fixed upon this earth. You know? The Bible says that we're to look up for our redemption glory of night. That's where our hope is that's where our hope is going to come from. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he returns, he's going to gather his church together and take them to glory. And that's not going to be long. Even if we do live through this life, a long life, and we do die, it's still a short time. It's a vapour, the Bible says. But our days ahead are glorious. Wonderful. Read in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22 for your hope and your enjoyment as a Christian. Um, wonderful. We see thirdly from our psalm this morning, not only that the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the Bible says here, but he also knows the way of the ungodly. He knows the way that the ungodly take. Job chapter 34. Let's just have a quick look at Job 34. Funny, isn't it? How we uh, keep going back into the book of Job. For some of these verses this morning. Well, that's the way the Lord led as I was uh, writing this down last night. Um, does the Lord know the way of the ungodly? You know, some, got, some ungodly things have uh, happened in this world that we're living in, in the past, in the present, but also in the future as well. Some ungodly men have lived this life. Leaders. We're going to think about these leaders in a few moments. But you know, Often these leaders think that they can go away after their crimes, after their iniquity, and believe that they can be hidden. Nobody will find out. Let's just have a look what the Bible says. Job chapter 34 and verse 21. For the eyes, for his eyes are upon the ways of men, of man, and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness, no shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he will not lay upon man more than right, that he should enter into judgment with God. So we see here very clearly, that his eyes are upon the ways of man. The terrible things that we're seeing today in the world, and we've seen in the past, God's eyes have seen them. We may forget about them. We may not realise how these things happen. But God knows. And he sees the way of man. He knows man's heart. He knows the intentions that have caused some of these terrible things uh, to happen in history. Mm. I was reading um, about Nigeria. And uh, we have a family here this morning in, the, in our church. Uh, lovely Christian family. Um, but there are some terrible things that have happened in in Nigeria in the past 
leaders that have come into power, Islamic leaders, kidnapping people, mass massacring uh, towns, villages, and many of these people have kidnapped people, Christians as well, and they've taken them away, taken them into wilderness places, places where people may not be able to find them. And these leaders think that they can get away with it. They may get away with it right now, but they will not get away with it with God. They may get away from our judgment upon this earth, but they will not get away from God's judgment. They will answer to God. They will stand before a righteous judge one day. Men may think that they can hide and they can get away with things. You know, uh, South America, during the time of the Nazis, many of the Nazis, after the war, they fled to South America. And they fought by travelling all this distance, thousands of miles, that they could hide and get away from man, from men's judgment, and from standing in court. And many of them did get away with it. But they will not get away from God. God knows. He knows the way of the ungodly. He knows where they're hiding and he knows how to bring them out of hiding. He may bring them into judgment in this life, but he will definitely bring them into judgment when they stand in front of him one day. God knows the way of the ungodly this morning. You know, uh, Revelation chapter 6. Let's just turn there, Revelation 6. And... In the future days to come, the Bible speaks about a terrible time. We were talking about it this morning, uh, John and I, about the time of uh, Great Tribulation. <clears throat> and uh, this will be a time where uh, world leaders, global leaders, will um, blaspheme the name of God and they will have no regard at all for God. Even in a time of tribulation, they will not turn to God. How hard men's hearts can be. And uh, let's just have a read in verse 15, chapter 6. It says, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. They thought that they could hide from God. You may be able to hide from man. But let's just see what it says. And he said, uh, verse uh, 16, And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And see here that the, great, that the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the presidents, the prime ministers, the global leaders, the men that thought that they could have rule in a world without God, tried to hide from the wrath of God. And they even wanted to commit suicide. They even wanted the rocks to fall upon them because they wanted to hide from God. But it's not possible. Not possible. They will stand one day before him at the great white throne judgment. And they will stand before the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who purchased our salvation with his precious blood.
they will stand before him and they will give an account and they will perish one day we will have a look at that in a, in a, in a moment um, let's just have a look at Psalm 1 verse 6 again <coughs> It says that the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the ungodly. And the Bible says that the ungodly shall perish. What does that word perish mean? Does it mean that we cease to exist? Does it mean that we just go into oblivion? Annihilated? There is no more? Well, the first time that that word perish um, is mentioned in the Bible... It's in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 36. And you know, the mention of a word first time in the Bible is often very important. We usually get a, a meaning of a, of a word. And that word that we uh, read about in verse 36, Genesis 41, is about um, a great famine upon the land. And the Bible says that... Um, that the people would perish through the famine. And so we see that the word perish and famine are together in that verse. And what is famine? Well, famine is basically being without provision. It's without the provision of water. If we don't have water, then we don't have life. And we can't sustain the land, we can't sustain food, and we'll eventually die. So famine is basically being without provision. And if we're without provision, we will perish.